Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, we're here. Hi. We are back and alive and well, as always, usually. We are. We're here. Starting a cult. We are starting a cult, episode number 80-something-ish. Six, maybe? (laughs) Uh, Fuck if I know. I'm probably wrong. I don't know. It's been a long time. Episode It's been a very, very long time. 112. But we're back. Um... You know, we thought it was appropriate to get back into the extraterrestrial world. The alienage. And the reason the reason is because there's never a wrong time for alien stories. They're always out there. But if you really want to break it down into the modern world that we know right now, the pioneer of all of these stories would have to be the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. That was, holy shit, that was fucking damn near 60 it's years ago. It almost, yeah. 59. No. Wait, years? 59 years ago. I was going to say, it was in 61. Yeah, yeah, no, that's... 61, okay. it's like, Grant? No, we had it right. For I the just, love of God. <laughs> you were looking at, yeah, you were at the year I was at the difference of years. Okay, no, I you get You know it. what? I'm getting it. Oh. But, I mean, it's... I'll tell you this. It's not an uninteresting story by any means. It is not as... Quite the opposite. It's not... I'm not going to lie to you. It's not as intricate or insane as a David Huggins or even a Travis Walton, maybe. But it it packs a punch, and it's a lot more... It's To me, it's a lot more scary. Cause it's, it really is. There's no definitive answers. It's very... Old in the sense of story, but not in the sense of extraterrestrial story. This is the I case that really like put in place a lot of the things that would come in later abduction like cases. Yeah, and it really it, just like all the the tropes. It definitely greased the wheels of media to put these stories out there and publicize the them. Wheels. And without this story, we might not have ever gotten some of these other like Travis Walton or David Huggins. We might not have had those stories if it wasn't for Betty and Barney Hill because, honestly, I mean, let's boil it down to brass tacks here before we get into the actual story. You have an interracial couple in 1961 that says they saw a fucking alien and were abducted. 
it's insane. So that's a, a lot, story. There's a lot to, to unpack here. That is a story that if in 1961 probably would not fly. No, and very much so. The fact that it did and it got this attention, uh, well, it, it wasn't immediate, but it did get the attention. And it really kick-started a lot of the craze of aliens in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And... It's it's the granddaddy of all of the stories. You know, it started everything we have today. Yeah. Before this, there were, like, sightings of UFOs, that kind of thing. But like we were saying, these are the first people to actually say that they were abducted. Yeah. So let's get into it, dude. Uh, Betty and Barney Hill. Uh, the, this case was the first widely publicized alien abduction, right, in the United States. Uh, it occurred bet- uh, between September 19th and 20th of 1961 in rural New Hampshire. Yeah, and their father-in-law was Benny Hill, the great British oh, wow. comedian. No, I totally made that up. That would be fantastic. Uh, that that does always throw me off because it's Betty and Barney. So I immediately go to the Flintstones. And oh, my God. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I, I immediately <laughs> jump to the Flintstones. And then after the first second of thought, you're like, oh, yeah, it's not the Flintstones. It's... Betty and Barney Hill. But then when you morph them together and you say it fast, it's like Benny Hill. It's like, wait, no, it's not that same person either. God damn There's too many many references. It's a catch-all. It is. Uh, This case was the first instance uh, that regression uh, hypnosis was used uh, to get some information about uh, abduction, right? Yeah, and for, for those of us, well, not us, for those of the listeners that are unaware with what that is it's simply i don't know if we've ever really we've talked about these things before but i i don't know if we've ever clarified this progression therapy is sort of a trance like therapy session where they put you in a slight meditative state and they're able to get to the more subconscious thoughts that you have and they use these a lot in these cases because well they're not Mem- they're not memorized. They don't remember these things. Yeah. But with enough poking and prodding through the subconscious meditated mind, we might be able to seek some of these buried answers and hidden memories in the yeah. human mind. And the reason why they're buried is oftentimes the, the brain like refuses to go back to them, either maybe because it was too horrifying or maybe they just could not register what it was seeing. Yeah. So it just shut them out. So it's yeah. kind of a way of getting <clears throat> to those thoughts, right? It is, I will, playing devil's advocate here, it is slightly under the pseudoscience umbrella. It's now considered to be a very uh, less than reputable yes. method of doing this. But, however, I... But at the time, it was cutting edge. However, I, I feel like it has some merit to it. I mean, the the key to a lot of these stories that we talk about are very, very subjective things and beliefs that is that's really what the base of all of this is uh this is their encounter is extremely subjective because no one else was there it was them no it's true so things like regressive therapy regression therapy there was a dog there named delzy well he doesn't remember shit no probably but not. these things they're helpful because i mean even if they're not 100 percent factual at least it's something coming from the victim, it, for lack of a better term. They're not a victim, but in this case, they would be, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, yeah. The, the victimhood. I just, so I wanted to make sure both sides are represented. Oh, no, yeah, you know? of course, of course. Uh, Benny and Barney Hill, who are these people? 
right? Who are they? Who knows? Who goddamn They share the knows? name of the lovable neighbors of Fred and Wilma. There you go. There you go. Uh, Benny, it might be Barney's son, because it's Barney Hill Jr. BHJ? Yeah. Big Hamburger Joe? Big Ham- no. No, Barney Hill Jr., Grant. He was 39 at the time. He was born uh, July 20th of 1922 in Newport News, Virginia. Newport News is the name of the town. I had to look it up. It seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I caught, I fell into the same trap when I was, was looking like, at that. That can't be not a newspaper. But, there are um, a couple of geographical things in this story that I was like, what? Like, that's the name of a place? It, it really made you think because they were talking, it's New Hampshire. Newport News, New Hampshire. And Newport News, Virginia. Damn it. Or, yeah, that's where he was Virginia. born. It takes place in New Hampshire, though, I it believe. It does. Correct? It takes yeah. place in New Hampshire. That was fun fact, because they were an interracial couple. Uh, that was like one of the most liberal parts of the country at the time, so they were okay. very accepted there. Okay. That's why. And, yeah, I just, it's funny because there was a part where there's a part where we'll discuss Canada, and for a minute that threw me off when I was reading, because I was like, Canada? What? And then I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like, geography exists. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, there's other places. That like, yeah, right just because we're in the same country, they're way closer to Canada than, they're co- oh, than they, they are to are. us. Yeah. All right, so, so, all right, Barney Hill Jr. is 39 at the time. He was born in Newport News, Virginia. Ridiculous. Um, he was a civil rights leader, right? He, he uh, Early on, he wanted to be an engineer. He went to school for it, but then he was told... Uh, that the engineering field did not uh, tend to hire black people, so that is something you'll encounter uh, in the sixties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he became a postal worker. Okay, right. Very hey, reputable man. government job. Good benefits, I'm sure. Hey man, everyone laughs at the postman, but no, you can't sneeze at a good job. You got that's, that's a tight job, dude. Government, <clears throat> you get benefits. It is pensions, four hundred one k, holidays. You're come on, set. come on. Yeah. It's it's a good job. So he seems like an up, upstanding guy, right? And then we got Eunice Elizabeth the Barrett, otherwise known as Betty Hill. Betty. Right? Uh, she was 41 years old at the time, and she was born June 28th of 1919 in Newton, New Hampshire. Fuck, these are some old-ass people. Yeah. I mean, not to be disrespectful, but that is that's a long time Oh, they're ago. old. They're very old. She was a civil rights activist as well. I'm pretty sure that's where they met at yeah. rallies and such. Yeah, it was. They were. Um, they were. And they were actually. Uh, I was reading this thing. I don't know if I can particularly corroborate it because it was a forum post. But they were talking about where they were from, uh, yeah. where they were lived when they were married, and that they were huge parts of the local community for civil rights. And I, it was one of those comments where normally I'd go past it, but. I feel like it's probably true. No, yeah, definitely. I and, definitely feel like it's true. And Betty was, like, doing it back in, like, the 40s, too. Mm-hmm. Like, when she was in college. I'm pretty sure there was, like, a news article from back in her college days of her being, like, befriending the only black girl at her school. Yeah, they and were... And that made headlines. They were slightly ahead of their time. I mean, they're they're a little too progressive for where they were. It's true. It's true. So, yeah, civil rights. Uh, she held a master's degree in social work. Uh, she was the supervisor of a child welfare department. Nice. So these are like reputable these, people. These are awesome people. They're, reputable people. They they know what they're doing. They seem smart. Yeah, they're definitely. They're cool. I would say not. They're definitely not disliked. I mean, there's really no information out there about 
people disliking them or talking negatively about yeah, them. Yeah, as people, like people that could look past the race thing because yeah, well, there, were, yeah. there were states in the U.S. that still had like gay marriage illegal. Well, I mean, yeah, they had that up until what, like 2012? It's true. So like, it, or maybe 11, I don't remember the year. But Obama did it. But it's one of those things. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are people that didn't like that, but there really weren't individuals that were against these people actively for what they did or how they acted. So, oh yeah, they were cool. They were, you know, they were just regular citizens. They were just people living their lives until one day, boom, Andromeda Galaxy <laughs> comes to get you. <laughs> All right, here comes the abduction, right? Uh, so in September of 1961, Barney had developed an ulcer. Doesn't that suck? Ooh. Sounds painful. So uh, the couple, because of this, I guess, decides to uh, take a fun weekend. They decide to take a small vacation to Canada. That's like a hilarious excuse to go on a vacation. I got an ulcer. I got to go My see Niagara Falls. He has an ulcer. We must go on a small vacation. <laughs> Let us take a boat tour. It is time for a sabbatical. He has an ulcer. <laughs> Are you sh- Okay. I, All I right. Mean, I mean, yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. who am I? They had a great time. They visited uh, Niagara Falls. They went to Montreal. Uh, they had a great time. That'd be cool. And on September 19th, they began their trip home back to Portsmouth, uh, New Hampshire, which was where they lived. Yes. Uh, so, indeed. indeed. The night uh, was clear, and the road they were on was dark and secluded, right? Uh, you already got the makings for a spooky ending. There we go. This. All you need is some fog. Ooh, yeah, that'd be a nice touch. But, uh, all right, so at around 10.15, quarter after 10 uh, p.m., Betty and Barney were about three miles south of Lancaster, which is in New Hampshire. Lannister? I don't. I need to watch that show, Grant. Oh. I still need HBO. I'm sorry. I just like Lancaster, not Lannister. I don't want to be that dorky about things, but it, sometimes I just have I to. I think you, you do. Have to. I think you do. Uh, so uh, they were about three miles south of Lancaster in New Hampshire uh, when Betty saw what she thought was a falling star in the sky, right? Uh, that is until the falling star halted in the sky and began moving slowly back towards the moon. Isn't that freaky? The couple claimed that it was moving like a fly, looking for a place to land. And I think what's important to do here is put yourself in their situation uh, throughout history. I mean, it, this isn't taking place in the year 2020 or 2015, where you could look at these things and say, oh, maybe it's a remote control uh, this or a trick drone. Of the light. You know, or like some type of reflection off of a seven fifty seven. I know? would honestly just write it off to a drone. And like, this, oh, it's a drone. This is in the sixties. I mean, yeah, airplanes and helicopters existed. They weren't as prevalent as they are today by any means. Drones were not available for commercial sale. Oh no, yeah, they probably weren't even available in a military setting at that point yet. They were 1960s, still being created. That's when we got the fucking technology for cell phones. So, especially seeing something like that, it, it's it got to be slightly alarming on a secluded road in the middle of nowhere. No, very much so. Uh, you didn't, uh, yeah, no one had cell phones. It's not like you could call anyone. Uh, businesses closed, so it's not, you could just drive into town and go to the 24-hour store and yeah. see someone. Those didn't exist. You really just had to brave it own, and get kid. to your house. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that, Barney was 
he thoroughly freaked out because he was like, you know what, Betty, just don't pay attention to it. It's probably a satellite. They kept going. That's definitely that 1960s husband mentality. It's like, that's the most advanced thing that I'm aware of, so it's probably that. It's you the know? trope of every horror movie from the 70s, 80s, and 90s yeah, where the dad is... The dad is completely against anything happening. You're all insane. This is ridiculous. Until the very <laughs> last moment. Well, most of the time, that's for like haunted houses. And it's like, I just put down fucking $400,000 for this goddamn house. I'm not moving. It's you true. Know, that's usually the case. I'm definitely getting those kind of vibes. More just like, <clears throat> Betty, look at the road. We're going to be home. Just don't talk about it. <laughs> Eyes front. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, later, uh, just south of Twin Mountains in New Hampshire, which is beautiful. I looked ah, it up. Might even that was another say, name I couldn't believe. Some might even say Twin Peaks. Oh, my God. You see, because mountains... <laughs> There's something here. I know it. It's all there. It's Just all here. It's always always been there. Connect the dots yourself, you lazy chump. <laughs> what are you, a sheep? All right. Uh, later... <laughs> Just south of uh, Twin Mountains, Betty and Barney stopped at a rest area to let their dog, Delzy, who's a cute, adorable little dachshund. You want to see it? Nice. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Okay. Little dachshund boy. See, I saw that pic- I saw that very picture uh, the other day, but I also just, I didn't assume that the dog was there. I was just like, oh, they have a dog. No, yeah. It, but that's the thing. It's like Delzy was there. The, the right. whole reason they pulled over, but they don't really talk about Delzy afterward. Okay. That Delzy yeah. is is the MacGuffin of this story. That is a reference I'm unfamiliar back. with. It's a film term, I think. I don't even know if I'm using it right. I'm yeah, I'm I I'm not familiar with I that. I love Delzy. Okay. Um I believe you. The MacGuffin. But so, all right. Uh Betty used this opportunity to get a better look at the object uh, that was still in the sky using the binoculars that they had. Uh, Barney, in the meantime, was more concerned about bears. So he Honey, got... <laughs> you gotta avert your eyes from the sky. We gotta worry about these fucking grizzlies. There's a herd of bears coming over, They're over coming. yonder. They smell the blueberry chapstick you have. They want in. <laughs> blueberry chapstick. He's just absolutely thrashingly upset, freaking out about bears. Oh, dude, he definitely is, because he went to the trunk of his car. He got his gun. Oh, he's not even scared of the animal at this point. He's scared of the football team. He's, he's just, <laughs> oh, no, the Chicago Bears are coming. I'm scared of what I'm going to do with this gun. That's what I'm scared of. Uh, <laughs> so she used the opportunity to look at the binoculars, uh, look at the sky. It was still there. Uh, Barney has a gun. And uh, Betty then saw the object pass over the moon, uh, flashing multicolored lights. Disco ball. Yeah, right? It sounds fun. Um, but then, uh, she then handed the binoculars to Barney, at which time the object quickly changed course and became, uh, very close to them. It started, uh, rapidly descending to the earth in the direction of the couple. That's when you punch your foot against the gas pedal and drive. No, it's very true that, uh, they, they got in the car and did just that. Uh, Unless this is an injured cold type scenario where he'll pull up next to you in a lantern. And just like, what's that? And like, question that's a you city. very oh. sweetly. Like, <laughs> just asking very like nice questions. And if you want to know who just injured like, cold you. is, check out our Patreon episode on injured cold. Is that our first one? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I think it's our first Patreon episode. It is. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool story. I wonder what we said in that it's, one. It's a fun time. 
Anyways. But anyway, yeah, they're so they're driving. They're back in the car. They're speeding away. This thing is hot on their tail. Um, driving in my car. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. And uh, the object is coming closer, right? They see it. Uh, it is in, indeed a craft of some sort, and it's enormous. Uh, it's about like a, a 80 to 100 feet off the ground, and it looks like it's keeping pace. It's maneuvering to maybe block the road, Barney thinks. So <laughs> Barney's like, oh, we got a fucking like a Tokyo drift. He's got to bring out his inner Paul Walker minus the accidental death and maneuver his vehicle around this machine. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's crazy. That would have been a way cooler it's just way. like Macho Man Randy Savage wrapping himself around a tree. Well, is that how he died? I'm pretty sure he was coked out in like a Jeep. Probably. And he just wrapped himself. I just remember when that Paul Walker dude died. It was just like, how ironic. I mean... I mean, like was, you died in a car, and you were famous. Kind of fitting. You were famous for being a car guy in a movie. It's it's weird when deaths are on brand. It's God has know? a funny sense of humor. If you it believe sucks. in that shit, or karma, somebody the world has a funny sense of humor. Just roll with it. Chaos. Let's have fun with it. Utter chaos. Uh, so yeah, they're speeding down the road. He stops because he's like, oh, God, it's going to stop us. It's maneuvering to block the road. He stops the car. He pulls out the binoculars again, and he gets a closer look. So the craft then moved in uh, in an arc uh, from hovering above. In a parabola-like motion. <laughs> parabola. <laughs> yeah, it's going in a parabola, hovering over uh, Betty and Barney's car, to hovering over a tree line of the adjacent field to the road. All right. Uh, Barney then puts his pistol in his pocket, and he began walking towards the craft, which okay. was said to have been about 60 to 80 feet in diameter. Okay, can we take a minute to appreciate how badass that image is of just Barney Hill getting out of his car, fed up. His wife and his dog are in the car, very anxious, and he just walks up with a pistol in his hand to an alien spaceship. <laughs> He's like, I'm putting an end to this right now. What What do you think, given the <laughs> that's, chance, that's are the some... first words he says? Oh, I... <laughs> like, what the fuck do you want? Point the gun. Like, that is Leave just, my family alone. That is so... That's just It awesome. is a badass image. He's just like, you know what? Pulling over. I gotta check this Gun shit in out. hand, I'm going to get it. That's No, I like that a lot. So That's he's approaching cool. this huge-ass craft, right? It's 60 to 80 feet in diameter. Um, as he approaches, two red lights separate from the two fin-like structures on the craft, and it tilts towards him, right? So that's never a good sign. That's like, uh, it's it's not a good thing. Uh, Barney lifted the binoculars to his eyes and claimed to have seen uh, inside of the craft figures that were somehow not human. That's a quote from him. Somehow not human. Uh, adding later that they moved with the precision of the German military. He specifically said Nazis. Because, you know, it was it was fresh in everyone's mind yeah. at this time. Uh, that, that's a good call. I was just going to say that. It's, it was very fresh at the time. It's okay? not that they resembled <laughs> the Nazis. It's that this is re- relatively new after World War Two, And it's a great comparison. It is know? a great comparison because they looked exactly like it. Think it's of, actually fucking weird. I mean, okay, let's put this into perspective here. Think the the year is two thousand six, and you live in Kansas somewhere. I don't Kansas know. City, Missouri. And I don't know. A plane flies into a building. What's the immediate recollection you're going to? It's probably nine eleven. 
that's just where it's going to go because it's fresh in your mind. Just yeah. like the Nazis are fresh in Barney's mind because it's fucking 1961. No, it's true. So, yeah, he said that uh, he looked into the craft with the binoculars. He saw these these guys dressed like Nazis. Uh, and Wait, wait, wait. What? I want to clarify. Yeah. You just said they were dressed like Nazis? They Yeah. Real, like, they they, had, they had, like Nazi so military what, what uniforms? They had, what they had on were shiny black like coats with fucking like uh motorcycle hats you know like the ones with mm-hmm. the spike and they were yeah. black as well okay they looked like and they were like they were very rigid they were all working very like diligently but it, like almost robotic they were looking they were like kaiser like, wilhelm almost yeah. <laughs> that they type were kaiser of wilhelming it up all right that's see that's i like that i like the the uniqueness to this it's very different than your typical story you hear yeah right i like it Right, so apparently one of these guys that looked like a Nazi, uh, he apparently turned, like, all right, so in, in there he saw a bunch of guys rigidly working behind one guy who appeared to be at a desk. Okay. So I'm assuming that he was probably he was the driving. Milton. He was the Milton. He's like, ah, please don't touch my stapler. <laughs> <laughs> that was Milton. That was Milton. And uh, apparently when... Uh, when Barney like uh, lo- was like looking around at him, just kind of getting a better look, one of them turned around and smiled at him, gave him a little, a little smirk, you know. Isn't and, that uh, fun? It's just like, hey, I, th- I don't it's know. Like, I know you're watching. To me, it's the same <laughs> thing as picture a bunny rabbit in your yard, and it's out. You walk outside, you're aiming a gun at it, and it just looks at you. And you just smile. That's what it feels like. Because this alien is just like, I, it knows. It <laughs> knows. Like, Look at that. It's looking at Barney. It knows Look. that he's afraid. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Barney, he got a terrible feeling that something terrible was going to happen. <clears throat> like you do. Uh, but uh, was so paralyzed by fear that it took everything in his power to tear the binoculars away from his eyes. Uh, he then he then started racing back to his car, and it's weird because like later um, when they recollect these things through regression and all that, like uh, Barney claims that he felt compelled to do all these things to pull over, to immediately get out, to even approach it. Like he felt compelled to do all these things, and then he he like literally could not tear the binoculars away from his face. So it's very strange. He said uh, he he saw the eyes of the leader, the guy who was. Uh, behind the desk there mm-hmm. and he was like obsessed with his eyes he's like those eyes they were like pushing themselves into my head they were like his eyes were inside like he was freaking out about these eyes so i feel like he may have been some sort of trance perhaps this it comes Maybe. back to it's the same thing i said earlier in this episode the recurring theme in everything everything in here is it it always comes down to some exterior feeling that you have. It's inside, but it almost feels as if something outside of your body is forcing yeah. you to feel this nervousness. And it sounds like in a lot of these cases, it's very sudden and unexpected. So it's like something else must be doing this. It can't just be my brain firing and this feeling immediately arising. No, absolutely. You know, so people are externalizing it much with the idea of God, you know, like. And if you listen to any of these cases about ghosts, uh, aliens, uh, black-eyed kids even, uh, shadow beings, things that they fucking, I don't know, cryptids, things of that nature, the recurring theme in all of that is this emotion. And I, 
There's no name for that. It, Utter really, terror, dude. It's just fear. See, that's where I I feel like it's our job to come up with a name for that because it's a very specific feeling. It is. It's almost beyond fear when it's described. It's something that we call it something like fun, like like bubble de boop. No, it can't something. be because you don't want it. You know, you don't want it. That's the thing. But it's. It's so intense. The way, at least to me, I picture it as someone reading these things, it's almost like an excitement slash adrenaline rush mixed with absolute fear for your own life. You almost accept that death can happen at any moment, but you move past it so quickly because you're so amped up about it. And you're just ready for whatever this thing is going to bring. It sounds just like adrenaline, dude. And it's it, it's a very similar feeling in all of these but different with things. The fear. Maybe it's like, a, what, what do you want to call it? Like, what are, what are some of your... I don't know. See, that's something I'm going to have to sit on. Spoop. Been... Maybe spoop. No, see, it can't be like I got funny. The, I got the spoops. No, it has. To, it can't be funny. It can't be funny. Uh, it has to be serious. Because it's one of those things that you don't want it. You don't want to see a black-eyed kid. You don't want to see an alien. You don't want to see a apparition of a ghost or a poltergeist. You want none of this. So you that got feeling, the fear. We should the placeholder name. It's really just like AIDS. It's it's visual AIDS. You don't want it. You don't want it. I promise you. Well, I don't want AIDS. I don't want a lot of other things too. <laughs> it's a crazy thing to hone in on. No, it's just a, it's a placeholder name it is for a the placeholder, right, so the AIDS like emotion like, you, you feel. You're just like, oh, I was so scared I got AIDS. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like a because of thing. I don't know. It, uh, it's it's very placeholder. Unique. We'll we'll think of a a scary word for the overwhelming feeling of dread that people get yeah, in these situations. We'll I don't know. Email us uh, some suggestions at startacult at gmail dot com. But it, that's to me. That's one thing. I mean, I'll I'll kind of talk about this later. It's just that is it's very interesting that that is the that's the one true similarity in every supernatural story is this feeling. Yeah. And yeah, they're all subjective. But when there's a million subjective cases, you have to think statistically some of them are accurate or truthful. Some of I mean, there's yeah. That's with just the, with math. The appropriate margin of error, but you know, like there can't be errors without something being true in there. You know, right? Even if you're a hardcore pessimist, which is acceptable, you know, we, everyone it takes all kinds of people, but there's no denying that mathematically speaking, if one, if even we'll say one million for a large number, if one million people all report a very similar feeling. You have to accept that at least one of those out of one million is a truthful event that somebody witnessed. Maybe it could be explained differently through science or other things, but whatever it was, what they believed it to be is what they witnessed. But yeah, the individual's interpretation of a situation can't not be right every yeah. time. No, exactly. I understand. I understand. And that, yeah, again, that's something I'll talk about later, but it's it's oh, important yeah. in these stories. Yeah, so he got uh, he got that feeling. Right? Uh, Barney got that feeling. He went back to his car after he ripped the binoculars from his eyes. He got the uh uh-ohs. He got the uh uh-ohs. Let's call it that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so Barney gets back into the car. Betty gets in with him, and uh, they start speeding down the road. They are driving in (laughs) utter silence. 
For some reason, I totally thought you were going to say they started making out extremely. It's like <laughs> they were Whoa. just vigorously, you know, just just animals in heat. It's like sweet, dude. This story's taking a crazy turn. Very romantic story, but uh, that's not what happened. <laughs> no, it's not. They were driving in silence. Not a word was spoken uh, as they were running away from this craft. Um, the craft at this point was hovering right along with them, keeping pace with the couple. Uh, all the while emitting this rhythmic buzzing noise, right? It, it sounded like Morse code, sort of. It was like beep, 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 with something like that underneath. See, that was good. That's what they heard. Um, so yeah, they heard that. Then the car uh, was starting to vibrate. And the two claimed that they were feeling a tingling feeling passing through their bodies. Not sexual. This is getting, it's, we're digging ourselves deeper into the sexual hole. Um, so the two quickly became uh, weak and their at minds the knees, dulled. You might say. <laughs> weak at the knees, their minds dulled. They got rid of their inhibition and their clothing. <laughs> this just turns into a romance novel. And then they claim they were in an altered state of mind. I guess that was the climax. Uh, so after this, the rhythmic buzzing uh, occurred for a second time, and the next thing that Betty and Barney knew, uh, they were waking up 35 miles south of where they originally were two hours after they last looked at the clock. So uh, the only uh, flashes of memories were uh, of, of the two could recount uh, the right. They had an orb in the road. This is a little flash of memory they could pick out. Uh, they uh, had a quick turn off of the road, and they had a roadblock. So those are the three things they remember from this two hours that they cannot account for. Yeah, and Immediately. sadly, again, that's another thing that's very common in these stories is lost, lost time. time. And, and you're just somewhere else. There's, It's one of those things that you can only explain so much. I mean, especially... I would say in a scenario like this where Barney is driving a vehicle and then he loses two hours of memory and that's it. I mean, nothing really occurs from there. It's so hard to explain that. I mean, you're driving a car. If, how, do you, how do you? If you were you to know? somehow just forget, you would theoretically be in one of the most dangerous positions to be in in that scenario, driving a car. You'd be... Macho Manning yourself, yes, and it, yeah, it's. I mean, what do you, what do you say about that? How do you, how do you really accurately tear that down and say this is what it is? It's sure it's subjective. Maybe maybe it's not true at all. But to them, they truly lost two hours of time that they just could not account for. So where, where, where did go? it go? Yeah, where to go? I want that time back. Uh, so yeah, uh, those were the only flashes. They, they had little memories in there, but that's not two hours worth of memories. Where'd it go? Uh, so Barney was adamant about not telling anyone, uh, about what just happened to them. I kind of don't he, blame him. Yeah, exactly. They were an interracial couple back in the early sixties. It was difficult enough. And this story in Barney's eyes was not, uh, it, it would not be met with, uh, anything but pushback and further hardship. Oh, absolutely. Okay. That's like the last thing. Okay. I mean, you it, it's so hard thinking about it this way, but, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. 1961, a black man and a white woman 
they're going to go out to the news and say they were abducted by aliens, that is going to bring nothing but negative things their way. I mean, that's just that's just the hard fact of it. It's it's the terrible reality of the that's kairos of this story. That's what that's what it was. And I mean, I can, even nowadays, barring all of the extra stuff involved because of their race, bar it. It's still a story that not everyone would be willing to go out and share with people. Because no. why would you? Yeah. You'd be called crazy. Even if people didn't have the the extra, like, I don't know, I guess, like, social stigma, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, uh, of being in an interracial relationship during a time period like this, uh-huh. people are still fucking scared to come out about stuff like this because it's insane. Yeah, definitely. It's insane in the eyes of most people. It's just, oh, yeah, aliens... Uh, Hung out for a few hours. They did some tests. It's I'll like, you tell can't just you, say that and then have me expect to come back to your house again. I mean, I'll tell you this right now, Jake, and to all the listeners out there. If I ever have an experience like this, I will not deny it. You won't deny it? Or you no, I'll definitely tell people the story. So you're going to, okay. I, uh, you're going to advertise it? I mean, probably not, but I'll definitely tell it here for sure. Oh, I mean, I'll, how could I okay. not? Well, with that being said, I mean, I wouldn't put it in the news. A lot news. of people I wouldn't would, do that. The farthest I would go is say it here because it's just like, well, yeah, this is this is the area for it. This is the time for it the is. story. We have these microphones, perfect. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would, I definitely would not go to the media or anything like that like, for what just to get made fun of and picked on. It's like it's no one's gonna take you seriously. So what's yep, the point? There is a lot of that later on down the road, but uh. Yeah, so, uh, where, where, so, uh, Betty, however, because, you know, Barney didn't want, Barney didn't want anyone to know. So, Betty, uh, she called her sister, uh, after they got home, and she, apparently her sister had claimed to have seen UFOs in the past, so she was like, oh, she'll probably believe me. And she told her a story, right? So, Betty's sister then said, uh, that her neighbor was a physicist. Uh, and got him on the phone with Betty, and his uh, suggestion in this situation, uh, okay, so because all this crazy shit happened, when they got home, they were checking out their car, and on the back of the car, in the trunk, not in the trunk, but on top of the trunk, there were these two, like, metallic circles, and so uh, she told the physicist about this, and his suggestion was to put a compass over these, these like, uh, these little circles, and just see what happens. So Betty did this, and the compass began spinning around and around just constantly, which is very strange. I don't know what this means. I don't know why the physicist told her to do this, and I don't know why it spun around. But it all doesn't seem like it should be happening. So that sucks. It's crazy. Uh, it interested Betty, though, but uh, Barney really didn't want to investigate anything any further. Yeah. He, he's kind of stuck to his guns in that way. Uh, this was one of the many odd things that they found once they had returned home. Um, uh, some other things. The leather strap on Barney's binoculars was cleanly cut. Uh, both of their watches stopped and were to never run again. Uh, Betty's favorite dress, which she had been wearing and was in mint condition, uh, had multiple tears in it, and uh, and a couple white stains. Oh my god! Oh. It was was it, a, was it a blue dress with white stains? There's cigar involved. That sounds familiar. Mm. The white was 
powdered milk. They were making cookies. Clinton was around at this time. Maybe he was doing some stuff. Uh, Who knows, man? But, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> there were multiple tears and cuts, and, and there was also this strange pink powder that was on this uh, this dress, right? And it seemed to be deteriorating the material uh, the longer it stayed on there. It's like, if it stays on, it's going to make it worse. And uh, this powder was later examined by five separate scientific laboratories, and uh, not one of them could identify what it was. They have no idea what this pink stuff is. Oh, that's residue, all right. That that's is what kind of residue? That is residue if I've ever seen it before in my <laughs> life. Uh, it's your run-of-the-mill residue, classic residue. Uh, so also, there's there's a ton of shit that's weird. Barney's shoes uh, also had what appeared to be drag marks on the tops of the toes. Uh, Barney was also he also had a discomfort in his groin. Uh, in the groin area upon returning yeah, home. Yeah, I'm sure he did. There you go. And uh, though he, nothing appeared to be wrong at the time, over the next two years to follow, uh, a perfect circle of 21 warts would appear just above his penis. Herpes. Doesn't that sound just awful? Sounds like herpes. It sounds very painful. Yeah, it's definitely not something I would enjoy. Space herpes, Space herpes perhaps. That, yeah, I mean... Sounds they just about clean the equipment, aliens. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. So Betty and Barney, uh, they, they went to after they got home and discovered all these weird things. They went to bed around five a.m. They slept until the afternoon of the next day, and that's when uh, Betty called her sister, and they had the physicist and all that. That's when they found out all that. Her sister's name was Janet. Uh, but Janet also told Betty that she might uh, call Pease Air Force Base. You know, that's like, a weird number to ring. Pease Air Force Base. You just give him a call. Just tell, just tell get, him what you saw. Ring up the base. Uh, yeah. So Betty spoke with Major Paul W. Henderson, who uh, revealed to her that something had indeed shown up on their radar the night previous. In it's all coming strange. together. It's very spooky. Uh, so Betty then went to went on to tell uh, their story, right? The story of the couple, what happened. Where's Delzy? That's another thing. Where's Delzy in this picture? Yeah, I hope, it's a dog. I hope de- no. It ran away. It's not just a dog. It ran away. It's Delzy the dachshund. Well, it ran away. A wiener dog. I'd be afraid of an alien spacecraft as well. If I was in that dog's position, I'd run. Just stay in the car, Delzy. We'll be right back. Uh, you don't know that. <sighs> interdimensional well, wait time is very different. Interdimensional wait time. <laughs> All right, so somebody told her story. Uh, they said there was a blip on the uh, freaking radar. And uh, so in, in most of these reports, uh, these types of things, uh, they get uh, they get descriptions of flying saucers, right? And they're usually discredited immediately. But, uh, but the Hill story involved a craft that involved fins. And Officer... Uh, uh, not Officer. Major Henderson's report later said that uh, it was likely that um, they misidentified the planet Jupiter. That's oh. what he said happened here. Okay. But he also did include in the report that there was something picked up on the radar. So, what is he saying here? We don't know. Maybe some sort of cover-up. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. You never know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Do you email us? Startacle.gmail.com. So... Betty's uh, fully invested in figuring out what exactly happened to them, right? Uh, there's no getting uh, there's no getting her away from the subject. She loves it. 
in fact, uh, one of the day on the day that they were driving home after they'd woken up from the two hours of missing time, well, Barney was screaming at every sight of a light on the road, uh, terrified that it would all happen again, which is real. Like he was literally screaming in terror at lights on the road on the drive home. Uh, so Betty, uh, Betty was smiling, kind of laughing in wonder, almost giddy. She was like, "Can you believe?" What is going on? Like that kind of thing. She seemed really into it. Uh, so she managed to get in contact with a man named Major Donald Ke- Kehoe. Right? Donald Kehoe. Uh, through letter. Wherein she describes the figures that Barney claimed to have seen. Uh, you know, the, the shiny black uniform reminiscent of Nazi men. Uh, so after sending this letter, she actually began to get very strange dreams. Uh, which she wrote down in her dream journal. All right, all right. Okay. Uh, at first, none of these dreams seemed to connect in any way, right? But after they were written down, uh, she was able to kind of connect them into a sequence that she believed made sense, uh-huh. right? So these dreams would prove to be the first glimpse into what happened the night uh, that the couple lost all that time. And in one of these dreams, she is being led through the forest by two tiny guys. And uh, trailing behind them was Barney, right? Also being led by the two tiny guys. By little tiny guys, right? Uh, But he appeared to be in a trance. She actually called back to him, but got no response. He was just kind of shuffling along. So, uh, the little guys, they were around five feet tall. They were wearing matching blue suits. Uh, These were the ones that were outside in the forest, right? Matching blue suits, uh, they looked almost human, but with gray skin and blue lips, right? Uh, So they were all being led through the woods. They eventually came to the craft. They all walked up a ramp into the craft, and once inside, the little guys began separating Betty and Barney. Very high-stakes situation. What's going to happen here? You don't know. It's a little spooky. So, you know, um, um, Betty's scared, right? Uh, She was the only one... In a somewhat conscious state, uh, she begins to protest this. And when the individuals who she assumed to be individual, who she assumed to be the leader, explained that if they uh, were examined together, the whole process would just take way longer. Right? It was just going to take forever. So Betty and Barney were separated. And Betty remembers walking into a room where there was another individual who was waiting. Uh, whom she referred to as the examiner. The examiner. The examiner. Sort of a doctor-like figure. He looked uh, almost identical to all the others, but Betty said that he had a much calmer and more pleasant uh, demeanor than the leader did. Interesting. Which is, you know, you want you want that in a doctor. Uh, both the leader and the examiner spoke to Betty in English, though the examiner spoke in a more broken English, to the point where understanding him was like very... very difficult yeah, for Betty, yeah right so she said that they had an accent kind of resembling that of someone from like western european descent you know so like slightly mm. russian ukraine mm. maybe something like that ukraine ukraine so um it was explained to her that they were studying them to find out the differences between humans and them the aliens Sounds to me like they might have been grazed. Speculate that later. Uh, so yeah, 
they were just trying to find out the differences biologically, perhaps. Uh, Betty was sat down. Uh, she had a light shown on her. And they cut off a lock of her hair. They examined her eyes, mouth, nose, throat, ears, and hands. They clipped off her fingernails. Uh, they examined her feet and her legs. And then used a dull tool that Betty said looked kind of like a letter opener to uh, scrape against her arm, get some of those skin flakes. Nice. Some of those skin flakes. Um, what else happened to her? Uh, yeah, they kept the skin flakes and a piece of cellophane. It looked like cellophane, at least. So uh, they then tested her nervous system by shoving a large needle into her navel. Wow. They said that that was her account from the dream. Later in the regression, she said that they told her it was a pregnancy test. Which Ooh. just shoving a large needle into the belly. It doesn't seem It doesn't seem safe. like it would work. No. Thank God she wasn't pregnant. But, uh, so yeah. She, uh, she began reacting to the pain of the needle because, you know, it was a huge-ass needle just going into her navel. And the leader waved his hand over her eyes and the pain disappeared. Isn't that just magical? Nice. That's pretty cool. So then the examiner leaves the room, right? All the tests are done, uh, leaving Betty and the leader there alone. Uh, there was a book in the room with many strange symbols that the leader told Betty that she could take home with her. But, oh. unfortunately, she didn't. She just Damn didn't you. take the book. She didn't take the book. But uh, she then asked uh, where the leader was from, right? She's trying to get to know him, uh, at which time he pulled down a sort of star map, all right? Uh, this is, uh, it's, it's nearing the end of what Betty's dreams, like, revealed about the experience, but the final thing Betty, uh, gained from these dreams was the memory of her saying, uh, to the aliens themselves, um, no matter what you do to me, one day I'm gonna remember all this. Shit. And then she gets into the car, uh, where Barney is waiting for her and watches as the craft flips into a glowing ball of light. And shoots straight back into the sky. Well, damn. That, that, so that's a dream. Mm-hmm. That's just a dream. But maybe it happened. Also, uh, during this time, during the time that Betty was like having all these dreams apart, he was working late night shifts, and uh, so he was never there when the dreams were happening. <clears throat> but uh, he later heard about them, like that she was having them. Uh, and he asserted that they were only dreams, and he implored Betty to please just goddamn drop the whole thing. <laughs> Betty, you gotta you, shut you gotta your mouth. please stop doing this. I'm, I'm, I have this ulcer, probably not fixed. All right, so he just wanted life to go back to normal. He refused to hear the dreams or to read the journal. Uh, he was truly scared by this experience, and this was intensified when Barney had the idea. That he, that both he and Betty, trying to like kind of prove her wrong, it's like, all right, we'll both draw a picture of what we both think we saw. And they did it. And they drew identical pictures of a very long cigar-shaped craft with fins. Ooh. Flying dildo. That's really, that's what Beck sang about. Is it? Yeah, like a flying dildo crushing the sun. Oh my god. Well, it's probably aliens. Beck is probably in with the aliens. I know he's a Scientologist. I think aliens are involved in that. Alien souls, at least. So I buy it. I respect that. I can buy it. 
But yeah, uh, freaking, it just kind of went on from there. Like they they eventually got into regression, um, because there was there was a speaker at their church. It was a very open church. They had a bunch of speakers. It was uh, some admiral or something that had just recently uh, published a book of poetry. Mm-hmm. And at this particular like gathering, they decided to like share their story with their church group because eventually, like after the whole drawing thing happened with uh, with Barney, he was like, "All right, okay, something happened. Maybe we have to do something about this." So they uh, consulted their their friggin' church. Nice. And then they got in contact with some people, some some psychosis people, some hip hypnosisses, hypnoticizing people, and they uh, they went through some regression. And basically, all of those uh, all the things in the dream came through, at least on Betty's side. And there were a lot more, not I wouldn't say more, but there were also a lot of very invasive things that were done to Barney, uh, particularly with the uh, the groin area. Mm-hmm. With the penis warts, the penis warts from space, there was some sort of like a device that was put over his uh, his member, and they got his semen. They got it. They got nice. the specimen. Interesting. And he seemed to be sedated the whole time. So I, I don't really know much more about what he got from the regression, but I know that he did uh, start crying about those eyes again. Well, it didn't because help because those him. eyes were inside of him. It did not help him because he didn't live very long. He uh, did not. He, <laughs> he died. made it, what, maybe six years? I think six years after. I think it was 67 yeah. he died. And he was then a very stressed man. Betty died in 2003, and she did not change her story once throughout her life. I think it's important to understand, like I was saying throughout this episode, the subjective nature of this case. Yeah. Um. It clearly had a lasting effect on both of them. I mean, Barney died within six years, arguably because of this madness that he was suffering. Definitely some sort of baggage he got. But one of the things that I find like the most compelling that I haven't really mentioned yet, remember the star map that I said um, the leader pulled down when she asked where he was from? Mm -hmm. So in her regression, she got to like go back to that moment, and she literally drew out the exact star map like as she was viewing the memory Mm. and at the time it was of something that we had no idea existed but later on like years later as telescopes and like photography advanced we were able to take pictures of these like far away uh galaxies and things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this drawing that she had like exactly matched up with new findings years later so it's, that is like one of the most compelling things for this story for me. Yeah. And also they had a lot to lose like in coming out with this. Pretty much. You know, and and it showed because like a lot of the media was like attacking them just for being uh interracial and like they were attacking Barney because like the thing about the warts came out they were like he's a pervert. Mm-hmm. He's like a, a he sucks, you know, but that's not true. He sounds like a good guy. Yeah, he sounds like a nice... He's a good guy with spacious... Not spacious. Spatial... Awareness. Warts from space. Warts from space. Uh, But, I mean, yeah. Keep in mind, everything in this is... This is their experience, you know? And I believe it. I think it's, it's yeah. an important story, and it's really... It's interesting, because it's not super in-depth. I mean, we're not getting a thorough analysis of what these beings looked like, how they acted, but 
it almost makes it scarier because you don't know. Yeah, truly. and I mean, like, a lot of times in, in cases of, like, people who claim to have witnessed aliens, um, a lot of times, like, the brain, like, when it doesn't understand what it's looking at, it tries to give, like, features of things that it recognizes to the thing it's seeing that it doesn't understand to maybe try to make some sense of it. Yeah. So you're not just going insane. Like... It's Grace. I'm assuming that it's Grace, and I feel like they may have been trying to do like, ah, oh, we'll try to look more human. But also, it's like, I don't. They they never look correct. And yeah. even that quote that I said earlier, they, it's there's like they're almost human. It's like they definitely aren't. They almost are. So it's like, is that your mind perceiving them, trying to make some sort of sense out of it? Is that them trying to make you more comfortable so that the appointment goes well? Like, what is it? Yeah, well, you know, it's very strange. I yeah I I'm definitely on your side with that I if it's anything I would say it's the Greys, at least just based on other things I've heard. They got the blue lips. Relative. They got the gray skin. It might be Laura Palmer. I don't know. It could be. You know. Uh, it very well could be. Everything's Twin Peaks. It e- everything in a sense it is. You it's know a, everything is. It's an analogy for life. But effectively that is our episode. That's pretty much it. That's that's uh, Betty and Barney Hill. They're dead now. Yeah, sadly and, they are, uh, but I mean, but that happened to fuck, them. So, yeah. And the rest of their lives, they lived with the fact that that happened to them, never, never wavering. Yeah. So that's something to think about. Damn right. Damn right. Aliens are cool. Maybe you think about them more. Maybe you want more of these. Email us. Maybe give some reacts. Subscribe there. Follow us on all the shit. Uh-huh. You know? And there's also bananas, Mitch. It's bananas that you say that. Because that's true. It's true. We're but, near the end. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're on Acast. We're on Patreon. There's links below uh, for all that stuff. And we got our Tuesday every two weeks show Coming on up. Patreon. And we got a sick new intro from, from uh, our, our Griff man. Yeah. Griffan. Yeah, we, we do. Or Griffin. Either way, he did it for us, and it's great. Griff. So yeah, tune in for that. It is we we're heightening the intro to a whole new level. Damn right. On only on Patreon. Bye bye now. <laughs> Bananas. Bananas. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.